All right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we will do a little bit of a Baylor Bears recap and, of course, preview the long-anticipated Jayhawks-Cyclone night game at Jack Trice. It's going to be electric. And we have some miscellaneous news. Maybe um, a particular offensive coordinator got fired. Um, and maybe, you know, there's a lot of Iowa State people that are pissed off about the upcoming Big 12 schedules. So we'll get into all of that. But of course, if you're listening to us, you know that we are brought to you by BNC Fieldhouse. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game. We were recording this on Wednesday, November 1st. We'll have it out by Thursday. And on Thursday night, they will have a onesie bar crawl starting at BNC from 8 to 9 p.m., Mickey's to 9 to 10 p.m. and AJ's 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. So grab your favorite onesie if you have more than one. Grab your favorite one. That's the one you're going to want to choose. And head on over to BNC at 8 p.m. tomorrow for the onesie bar crawl. Excuse me, 8 p.m. today because we're releasing this on a Thursday. All right. Well, we'll get into Baylor. It was a, I kind of want to say an ass kicking. I think if Aranda wouldn't have been such a bonehead, it probably wouldn't have looked like an ass kicking because they had multiple opportunities to make it way closer. But we were handedly winning the entire time in Waco. So I feel pretty good about it. Nope. Uh, yeah, I think calling it an ass kicking is very appropriate. I think through the first half of this game, I felt extremely comfortable. It was just one of those games where Iowa State honestly looked really good. The defense came out playing really well and you know you could say besides like the last two minutes of the second quarter all momentum was cyclones and then kind of having that immediate turnover on our first play giving Bayer the ball kind of in our our territory and then them scoring tj tampa getting called for targeting was then when collectively cyclone nation all probably was like ah, I've seen this one before, or, oh, I don't feel that good anymore. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Obviously came out third quarter and, and kind of took a run. Uh, Norton had the nice nice touchdown run, and we, we built up on our lead. But then Baylor climbed back, almost made it a, a one-possession game early in the fourth. And, you know, but I think overall, like as an Iowa State fan watching this, and I don't think there's like bias here, I would say that we easily handled Baylor. Like it was, we were definitely the best team there. You could say we, we should have won by more. I, I think if you watch yeah. this game, you're like, this team is at least like 20 points better than Baylor today, you know? Yep. And um, aside from a couple things going Baylor's way, I think the score definitely is a lot closer than what the actual like game felt like. So, yeah, I, I definitely agreed. I think, um, okay. Before I say this, I just a strong disclaimer here. I think Dave Rand is a pretty good coach. Um, he did win coach of the year two years ago and Holy shit. He looked very bad. Um, I, I mean, usually you don't see coaching as much as you do when you're watching these games, but, um, you, you saw, I would just say, possession after possession, Dave Aranda have like a very, very bad call. And, and they had multiple different opportunities. I don't know about multiple, but they had um, 
yeah, I would say multiple different opportunities to close the possession gap where it was, you know, a three possession ball game. He had an ability to make it a two possession. Um, and I think two separate times he had an ability to bring it within one possession and, and he just continued to go for two points. Um, obviously it all stemmed from the missed extra point after their first touchdown, which was going into halftime. Um, it, it was, it was just bad. I, I think, you know, simple math sometimes is just the easiest way to coach and, I think he just felt like, hey, I'm a, I'm a big bad coach. I won Big 12 Coach of the Year a couple of years ago, and and none of it played out in his favor. And I think context in these games and in these coaching situations matters. If you're playing against like like a Colorado, you can probably go for two back to back two point conversions, and you'll probably land one. That's the the analytics of going for two. So if if you get it this time, or if you don't get it this time, then you'll at least have another opportunity to go for two the other time. But you're playing against the best defense in the Big 12. It's not you're not going to get that. I mean, I, it's it's a harder ask than I think Dave Aranda thought it was going to be, and it clearly didn't stem out in his favor. And I don't know. It, it felt very good. It was one of those situations where. Every single time they had an ability to kind of close the gap on us, I'd get really anxious. And, and you know, our defense is just so damn good that they, they made the entirety of the game, I would say, more comfortable for us than it should have been. So we played really well, played some great defense. We only really gave up a long play. And obviously they capitalized off of Beck's interception going into the, you know, halftime. Other than that, I mean, I would agree with you. I, I think you could say it was an old fashioned ass kicking. Yeah, I think um, I think the thing I may found a little bit questionable with the play calling was I felt like Baylor was really aggressive on fourth downs and even aggressive yeah. in you know kind of in field goal range a little bit and I think that is hard especially early on because I think it can be kind of demoralizing when you're not getting points out of possessions as a unit you know. Yeah. Obviously, everyone doesn't want like field goals, but at the same time, I think there is something to be said when, you know, you like get points and have like this positive momentum off the field versus getting stopped on fourth down and just turning the ball over as an offensive unit. I think that's hard. Um, and it just it kind of felt like, especially early on, I think uh, one of their their first ones, they yeah, they went for it fourth and seven in Iowa yeah. State territory. It would have been a long field goal, but at the same time, like, I don't know, maybe they don't have a great field goal kicker or whatever. But um, like I said, it just felt like there was a little bit of, I don't know, like just that that momentum a little bit, um, I think kind of impacted them a bit. So um, that, that's a good point. I think, you know, they their kicker missed an extra point. But the worst thing you can do, in my opinion, is prevent him from getting back on the bicycle again. If you're riding a bicycle, you fall off. The best thing you can do is get back on the bike and ride again. I think that is a really good way to absolutely ruin your kicker when kicking is so much of a mental game. So I think, you know, going for two back to back afterward is I mean, he's hurting their special teams unit. For, for the future, too. Like, like it didn't just screw them against Iowa State. I don't think he did his special teams unit any favors for the rest of the season. I think he basically said, hey, I don't even trust you guys to make two extra points in a row and, and make this, you know, a one possession, two possession game, depending on how you're looking at it. 
I don't know. I was not a fan of his coaching. I think he's a good coach. I think, but um, yeah. I, I mean, that coupled with Iowa State just playing well, our our wide receivers showed up. You can really start to tell that Jaden Higgins and Jalen Noel are really building some strong chemistry with Rocco. And dude, our tight end room is. I mean, are we stripping the title from Iowa Hawkeyes? We probably shouldn't. We probably can't. But our tight end room is, dude, we're legit. Yeah, I mean, our tight ends have been good for a bit, but it's hard to uh, claim that when Iowa has a lot of very good tight ends yeah. at, at, at the, the NFL the level, team, too. Yeah, yeah um, that was, it was a bad The take. new one we're, we're going to push is running back you. We're going to – we got Brees, who's going to – he is the best running back in the NFL. David, when he gets back, you know. Um, David was and, putting up best yeah. running back in the NFL numbers. And we got Nwangu, who's maybe the best return specialist in the NFL. So – um, we'll, we'll go with that, but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Baylor didn't kick the field goal before their missed extra point. So it was early on, like, Hey, we're not going to attempt this. Like that's when they were out on downs, but yeah, I, I mean, I think this game, if there isn't the, the interception and touchdown at the end of the second half, I, I think this is a game that could have honestly ended, uh, kind of been like a 40 to seven yeah. type route because the, yep. That was the only thing that gave Baylor any semblance of life. Like they, before that were, you know, they had one long drive where they went for the one where they went for on fourth down, didn't get it before that. They had an interception. They had a fumble. They had a three and out after that. Like they had, they had absolutely no momentum that entire first half. Um, Meanwhile, we were scoring, we scored on a decent amount of our possessions. So I just, yeah, I think, like we said, this game was one where watching it in its entirety, you're like, Iowa State's definitely playing like the better team here. And once again, like the scoreboard, I don't think is indicative of that because like this is not, this was not a 30 to 18 win. This was a, you know, 35 to seven or 10, you know, Baylor, Baylor got a, maybe a couple touchdowns late by, you know, kind of driving and defense being in prevent a little bit, but they should have, they wouldn't have had any momentum coming out of the half with us receiving the ball to, to kind of like stay in this game, I think. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Cartavius Norton's, I'm not sure if you saw his 49 yard house call. Uh, it was either the second or third um, fastest, the third fastest time recorded in college football that weekend. And he even said, I didn't even know I could run that fast. Hey. got some wheels when you're getting chased you can always run a little bit faster so that's what Mahomes says yeah he runs more afraid than any other quarterback in the league that's what makes him faster yeah i mean cartavius look i i've always been a cartavius fan i think abu sama aside from you know the fumble has just been he, he's just been such a nice piece for our team like having mm-hmm. him as our as our second running back i mean he you could see him starting on so many different teams also Cyclone Nation just loves the hometown boys. I do too. I mean, he was a he was a beast at Southeast Polk. I, I like it. It's a good one-two punch. I really wish our O line was a little bit better at run blocking, um, and they still kind of struggled a little bit here and there. But hell, they opened up the you know the Red Sea parted on that Cartavius Norton house call. Things are I don't know. It's also Baylor, so I'm trying to trying to figure out how actually good we are when I don't really think Baylor's that amazing. Yeah, um, 
I mean, we also need to give a shout out to Eli Sanders because he ran the ball really well as our leading rusher. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that frustrated me the most was I think it was our maybe our second to last possession when we settled for the field goal and we got to the red zone after Eli had just, he had taken us down. It was Eli run, run, got us in the red zone. And then we did three straight pass plays. And that was with like 13 minutes left. A field goal was still going to keep it a two possession game at that time. So it wasn't going to really do us a lot. And it was just frustrating because we could have drained over almost two minutes off the clock by doing some run plays or at least one or two run plays. You know, it's like, hey, Eli's picked up the last couple first downs on on the ground. Uh, Norton picked up the first down previously before that. So it's like we were killing them on the ground. And then we just got away from it and then also kept left a ton more time for Baylor um, afterwards. And I think think that was pretty frustrating to watch as a fan because it's like we're not we're not increasing our um you know we're not increasing our going from like a one possession to a two possession it was going to stay two possession regardless and so it's just like at that point you got to cut down on the time a little bit so that's um, a good call i i didn't have that point i know what you're talking about um yeah I, yeah, fair point. Fair point. It, it was not a perfect um, Iowa State game by any means. Uh, and like I said, I, I think that game, we, we both said it, the game should have been more out of hand than um, I would say Aranda. And yeah, maybe maybe some calls like that, like giving them extra time is never fun, especially when you're growing up to be an Iowa State fan and you see hell break loose pretty often. But it was a good win. Um, especially at Waco. Uh, it's pretty crazy how much better we are when our sidelines are not baking at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. So, um, yeah, it, it felt good to finally just get that win in Waco. Uh, yeah, do you have any more points on it? I, I think I, I just feel good about it. Like, I, I don't think I feel incredible. I don't think I feel – I don't feel bad about it. I, I would just say I feel good. That was a good win. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a good win – and there, there wasn't a ton of compared to other Iowa State games. There wasn't a ton of anxiety surrounding mm-hmm. it. I think, and I think that is always a nice one to have. It was the score, the lead was always big enough. I think our team responded every time there kind of needed to be a response um, that I think allowed them to, you know, keep this game feeling a lot better than. Um, you know, like we said, it, it, the score should have been larger. So uh, mm. I think the overall play, though, instilled confidence in Cyclone Nation as we watched that. So mm-hmm. um, our defense is incredible at taking away the ball, um, forced to fumble. Uh, Malik Verdon with another interception. Honestly, Jeremiah Cooper almost had another. But, uh, yeah, the, the obligatory John Heacock is the greatest defensive coordinator in the conference. Uh, note right there. Yeah, um, he just proves it week in and week out, and we are very blessed to have him running our defense. So, mm-hmm. moving on to KU, how do you feel about it? I mean, it's they're not a top ten team, but the place where top ten college football teams come to die is Jack Trice, especially at night. Um, so 
KU's ranked 21st, uh, had a very good win against Oklahoma. You know, their their defense looked pretty solid, I would say, for the most part. I, I was surprised. I, I, I was, you know, after Oklahoma just gave us the ass kicking of a lifetime, I was kind of on the pain on the plane of I think Oklahoma is way better than all of college football realizes. Like I think they could be a college football playoff team. Uh, and they certainly were brought down to earth by Lance. How, how do you pronounce Lance's last name? Uh, he's a good ass coach, man. You can't say much oh, bad Lan- about him. Lance uh, Leopold, I think is it's Leopold. Okay. I think it's Leopold. Leopold. Yeah. This I, I was about to say it. And I'm like, I'm not even going to attempt it. This is, this is where I get in trouble, but I, I love their coach. Um, and honestly, I love that the Jayhawks are good. This is very fun. Like, I I, I think um, part of me, is, it's kind of like watching Iowa State be good. Obviously, we're biased. But, you know, when you look at these programs that have just had such a, you know, pro, like, like a history of turmoil, and they finally are looking good, not just a one-year fluke, but, hey, this is like, year two, year three, where KU is actually like pretty competitive and they're fun. Like the, the style of football they play, I would say is more high powered than anything. Um, and, and I mean, hell I'm watching some highlights right now. They, they just make fun plays. Um, and, and it's, again, this is maybe a little bit of bit of the little brother coming out of me, but I like seeing historically bad programs be good. I'm so sick and tired of seeing Texas and Oklahoma be good. That's why everyone loves to shit on Texas. So hell, I'm pumped that KU is good. I just really hope that they are trash on Saturday, and I think they will be. I, I, I'm not denying the fact that they're good. I'm, I've said it out loud multiple times already, but I do think that this could be a 10-point game. I, it's, it's one of those feelings that I, I'm terrified that I have right now, but I, I think Iowa State's going to come to play, and I, I think they're um, I think they're going to put the clamps on KU's offense, and I, I think our offense is going to do you know just enough to like I said, make it a, a 10 point game. I, I would agree with your points on, it's nice to see Kansas as the underdog um, and like success. I mean, everyone in the conference is rooting for Oklahoma and Texas's demise. Like there's no hiding that at all. So it was nice to see them mm-hmm. kind of bring Oklahoma down a, a peg here. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Kansas has a lot of good momentum. Lance Leopold is a, a great coach. We've obviously seen the turnaround there. They beat us last year, which was incredibly frustrating. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, their offense is pretty high powered. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, what John Heacock's game plan is, um, how he kind of wants to go about uh, containing Jason Bean and, you know, he's definitely more of a speed guy than a passer. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of this is probably going to come down to playing clean football. I, I think both of these teams are pretty tough. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be a little bit colder. So I think it's kind of going to be one of those of, you know, hopefully the offense doesn't have too many turnovers and, um, you know, doesn't put our defense, I think, in tough spots. Because I, I think that's where we're going to get in trouble is, you know, as always, kind of the field position battle and and asking too much of the defense a little bit. Because I think Kansas is a hard team offensively to ask for the defense to to do a lot. Um, just because I so, think eventually they will break through. 
do we know if Jalen Daniels is playing? I assume no. Like he has a back injury, but he was questionable going into Oklahoma. I haven't really seen any indication that he will be playing, but I think that could change the entire trajectory of the game. I think um, you said Jason, right? Jason Bean. I think he throws the ball away. I, I, I mean, hell, just looking at the Oklahoma game, and what did he throw? Two interceptions, zero TDs. Now, I think his weaponry is in his you know, feet. He's a hell of a runner. Actually, ironically enough, he recorded the first fastest time in college football this past weekend. Um, so he, he's electric with his feet. I don't know if we um, contain fat, you know, fast QBs very well, but I do know that we're really good at taking the ball away, and he's going to throw some balls that are up for grabs, and I think that's going to be – that, that, that's that's kind of why I have this gross confidence in this game. Um, now, if, if it's Jalen Daniels, I, I don't know. I don't know. But every indication I've seen is that it's going to be Jason Bean. So with that being said, I, I feel pretty good about this game. I think we just match up well against their against their offense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they got a <laughs> lot of weapons, and I, I that's what I'm just – I'm worried about that a little bit um yeah to say the least I, like I, I i'm i'm honestly i'm worried about our offense's ability to stay on the field long enough and to i think be effective and and not kind of cause turnovers i, I think that's just where we get into trouble and like we said our defense doesn't really have too many like mess ups but you can't consistently ask them to you know like lockdown or hold to a field goal with certain things or, or, you know, be on the field for a ton of time because the offense is like just not getting going. So, and I think that's just me being still being a little, not like pessimistic, but as I'd say cautious of um, this offense still, you know, we've kind of seen them, you know, have some good moments against some, some opponents over the last couple of weeks, but I, I do think Kansas is, you know, probably the best team we've played in a little bit. Like, I don't know if this recent stretch of, of teams that we've played have, you know, been no. that testing no. besides Oklahoma. And I think that's just what worries me a little bit. You know, Oklahoma state has all this momentum, which is, I think is so weird that like, it's so people, weird. Like why are sense. they ranked in the CFP? But we aren't when we, we like, there were another game where we kind of like handled them pretty easily. Um, and they didn't they lose a, to a, a small bad school early too? loss? Yeah, they lost yeah. to South Alabama. And then they've just beaten – I mean, they've beaten Kansas State, who I guess is, like, kind of hot right now. But then they beat Kansas, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. Like, we've done the exact same thing, but I guess we have one extra loss. Um, so, I know, but I, I've, I found that really weird that, like, Oklahoma State's kind of getting all this shine. It's like, well, we've kind of done the same thing as them, and we beat them. So – but no, I, I completely agree with you. You brought up a point with the, with KU that I didn't entirely think of. I think if they get the run game established against our defense, which here's my prediction. I could be totally wrong here. I think we're going to completely shut down the run game, um, force them to throw the ball, get some takeaways. And I think that's how it's going to go. However, if they can really establish this run game, because they got, they got multiple different people, like, Devin Neal, he's a great running back, not to mention the fact that you have Jason Bean as a secondary run threat. You know, that that could be a great way to really control time of possession. And if we are playing from behind, 
we could absolutely get in a hole against Kansas where we cannot come back. They can just completely, you know, lull the clock down, run down our throat and just just get just enough for a first down, like, you know, possession after possession. And I think that could be where we would lose. If, if we're going to lose, is going to be because of their run game. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just I have confidence in Heacock that he's going to scheme them pretty well. I do just think Jason is, is Jason Bean is too limited of a thrower to allow them to, I don't know, run the ball over. I, I You just kind of load the line scrimmage a little bit more, put a little bit more pressure on, on them to actually throw the ball. And, and that's where I think we're going to win this game. But you are right. If they establish that run game, it could be hard for our offense to come back because um, their defense is their defense is solid. I, I wouldn't say they're, you know, a, a juggernaut of a defense, but I, you, you, you saw them hold Oklahoma to, I think, zero points in the first half. Sorry, my dog's barking. Uh, not zero points. That's definitely wrong. But it, you, you've seen glimmers of greatness in their defense. The thing that I was going to say, too, and I think you touched on it. We've never we haven't seen this team the entire year have to be a comeback team. Yes. Except for against Iowa coming back against that defense, which is very hard and they didn't do it. Um, But all of our wins this year have been, we've gotten out of the gate and at most we've been down like seven zero early on, like in the first quarter. And then we've like kind of taken the reins and controlled the game. And I think that's the thing that worries me a little bit about Kansas is if they do get off to a little bit of a lead or there is an early offensive mistake and then it's like, hey, we're down, you know, 10, 14 to this team right now. Um, can we kind of overcome this? Because I don't I don't think our offense is necessarily built like that. We do have some like big playmakers like Jaden Higgins. We've seen obviously Norton rip off a run or two here. But I, I would not say that this offense is like known to be like a big chunk dynamic offense. They kind of, you know, it's. It's not like a, a death by a thousand cuts, but it is leans on that side versus, you know, more so like a go big, you know, like a Brees Hall home run. So, yeah. Um, so I think I think that is probably what I'm most worried about is that if we don't really get off to a hot start and get in a hole, I, I right now do not trust this team to be able to get out of a hole. I mean, one thing that was so damn frustrating watching Ohio was we were down that entire game, which was like a miracle. And it's not a miracle. That was it was like, how the hell is this even happening? And it wasn't until the last possession, maybe two. I think it was literally the last possession where Shieldhouse finally let Rocco sling it and, you know, showed that he was more than capable. And you can tell his play calling, you know, since conference play, which is so damn aggravating that we never open up the playbook until conference play. But I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on that. Um, you can tell that he's starting to trust Beck more to just sling the ball. And, and like I said, Higgins, Noel, they're really starting to find their stride in this offense, too. And I think getting those guys going is 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 not only, you know, big, but it's it's, it's almost pertinent to this offense. Um, now, to your point, coming from behind, who knows how good we are at that? I don't think that's going to happen, though. A night game at Jack Trice. And also, it's it's one of those complexes of the Jayhawks are coming off not only their biggest win of the year, but their biggest win of the decade, maybe. I mean, you, you could say those other games where they've beaten Texas in the past is, is as equal of a win. But in my opinion, it's not. Texas was never as good as Oklahoma is this year, in my opinion. 
And so they're coming off the greatest win of the past decade or so. And there's a really good chance that I think they're just going to be brought down to earth, especially at Jack Trice against a really good defense with their backup quarterback playing. I just really think that I, I don't always have these, you know, hunches and, and I'm usually wrong for what it's worth, but I don't always have these hunches and I'm, I'm, I'm just feeling so strong and, and confident about this game. Um, I only wish it were being played in October. That's my only thing. Cause Rocktober, Rocktober was real, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the thing that's different about this Kansas team, like you said, you know, they beat Texas. What was that? Like two years ago. And it was a great meme. Um, it was a good meme. There you go. I think the thing with this team is that they have this little thing called hope. Um, you know, that's true. They're like actually a good team. It's not kind of this fluky quote unquote, you know, upset of someone. It's like, Hey, we beat Oklahoma. We kind of went toe to toe with them and we have a shot to, you know, if we run the table, we could be in the big 12 championship game. They have that hope. They've, they were, you know, kind of got off to a decently hot start last year, you know, as well. And I think that has kind of been carried momentum into this year. And we're seeing it like they're they're winning games that, you know, they should win. They've had a couple of tough losses to some teams that are doing well. You know, they've only lost to Texas and Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State. But other than that, they're taking care of business. So. So how is that much different from us, though? I, I mean, I would say, you know, starting slow as an Iowa State team with a younger roster, um, everyone counting us out and now being in a position where we can make a Big 12 championship. I I, I totally agree with what you're saying, which is why I think there's an opportunity for it to be a close game. But I just think, you know, there, there's a How's sense of psychonation that's pissed off. That, we, didn't, and also, we didn't beat Oklahoma. I think we're still, think we're still pissed <laughs> we, from that game last year, though. We lost by 30 points to Oklahoma. And, okay. All right. <laughs> there's a difference. That's that's how we're different. Um, you know, and like I, I said, think I, them I, beating Oklahoma puts us in a more favorable position this year. Or, or it, yeah. How could you even week. say that? That because, makes us look like worse. Because they're, they're coming Oklahoma off their biggest them, win. I No, I don't disagree with that. I, like, I'm agreeing that, like, they're more than likely going to have a slightly let down game. But I'm saying that I can also see that not happening because this isn't there wanted it wasn't roll. exactly a fluky win on their part. They just actually beat Oklahoma and are like a good competitive team. It wasn't like Oklahoma kind of slept walk or whatever. It was like, hey, Kansas fought and played them tough. And now, like I said, they have that thing called hope. They have in their head like, hey, we can possibly do this. Um and I think that component is something that also worries me a little bit because of the fact that you know they're gonna I think they're gonna show up I think it's like yeah Yeah. we're gonna it's night game at Jack Trice and stuff which is always in our our favor you know we we smoked TCU a couple weeks ago for the um the actual Jack Trice game and that was awesome, but TCU's kind of ass. <laughs> and yeah, that's true. Like Kansas isn't ass. Like teams aren't like teams are kind of rounding into form now. And we're seeing that with the Cyclones. We're we're playing better. The offense is complementing the defense enough. And uh with that, we're staying competitive and winning a lot of these games. But we're also gonna get tested for the first time since Oklahoma. You know, the last three teams we've yeah. played you could say they haven't really tested us too much. The game's kind of been in the bag the entire game. 
well, what happens when for over a month we've kind of, you know, fought someone and they haven't swung back? What happens when we get punched in the mouth again? You know, because we, we haven't really been punched in the mouth for like a month now till we just got our asses beat by Oklahoma. And then we're like, well, we'll go play some inferior competition for a little bit. You know, I'm not trying to say like this isn't going to happen. I think like you're like unwavering confidence is not something that I'm feeling with this because I don't think you can just be like, Oh, it's Kansas is Kansas. And we're Iowa state at home. I think that helps make me feel a little better, but I do think that this is going to be like a tough game. Like this is giving me like Oklahoma state vibes, how those games are always close mm. and, and like very anxiety inducing. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those, you know, so that, that's, that's kind of that's my prediction. Okay. I just also well, think Cannons' offense is going to be a tough one because it's going to – we don't face a ton of, like, rush – like, run-oriented quarterbacks a yes. lot. Like, I think, you know, Cincinnati – um, I can't remember their quarterback off the top of my head. He wanted to run a little bit, but I think Bean is almost, like, wants to run right away. You know, He's run first. Yeah, he, exactly. he's not like a run option. Like he's they like, use I, the, I run, run the ball. It's the run to set up the pass. Whereas like yeah. some other teams, like hey, let, we would like to establish our quarterback on the pass. Like, and they have a ton of rushing yards in their in their games. So like that's you know obviously what they're trying to do as a as a unit. So I don't it's know. I think I think it's a great way to control a game. And like I said, I think that's another thing that worries me is that we're they could control the game and it's like, how can we come back from this? If they are controlling the game, if they are milking the clock, if they're doing all this kind of stuff. So, um, okay. Yeah. I, I will say this is, this is why we have these conversations, Newt, because I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down amigo. Um, with that being said, let's give some game predictions because score predictions, excuse me. Cause I, I think I'm still going to try and just like, hunker down and, and stick to my guns on this. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. I've already said it out loud, so I'm going to do it. My score prediction for this is... Oh, man. It's, it's, okay, give me a second. Give me a second. 34-26. I don't think it'll be a 10-point game. I think it'll be... Um, it, it'll probably be one of those things where... It's it's going to be fighting all the way down until the last minute of the fourth quarter, but I I do think that we have enough in our system to, you know, I, I want to say win comfortably, but win convincingly enough to the point where I think people will start putting us in that same you know category as KU, uh, and and this is all of this is just a classic Campbell team, like it's it's newer, so that's kind of you know newer for us as of the past like fourish years. Um, obviously we had Deckers as a newer quarterback last year, but this entire team just feels so new and you can really start to see them come into their own. Uh, maybe I am a little bullish on them. Maybe I am, you know, taking too much from bad matchups that we've had in the past few weeks, but I, I just think so many things are in our favor with this game. So I'm going to stick to it. 34, 26. Is that what I said? 34, 26. Iowa state on top. I, I'm going back and forth with this one because I I have a weird inclin, inclination that it's it might bad be, when we're both feeling good about games. So I, I, this is making me happy that you're kind of pulling me back. Well, I honestly feel like this might be a defensive game for some reason. I feel like this might be one that you know you could be right. I don't know. Like yeah. I, 
I, I don't know why. It's it's like I was thinking like twenty to seventeen or something. Which that Dude, seems, why do I that seems ridiculously low? Like I, I'm not liking that. I want to so say that go, I think thirty four is very bullish on my end. I think thirty four. I, I, I gotta stick with it. Because I stamped it in. I, I think what both of these teams are going to do is they're going to try and establish the run and milk the clock against each other. I, I, I genuinely think that is like I, – I would be shocked if that's not Iowa State's game plan for one. And I think Kansas is going to have the same thing with the defense. Hey, let's try and keep the defense out here for as long as possible, get them tired. Like they run a three, three, five, which can be susceptible to the run game. You know, like you only have three down linemen. You can kind of do a little bit more against it. So that's, that's my thought on it. Um, I'm going to increase that a little bit because I just, I don't feel comfortable going so much lower than the over under is 53 and a half. And that would, that would, (laughs) that's not even close to it. Uh, Vegas Vegas always knows more than me. Um, They do. So I'm going to, I'm going to increase it to, I'll say a, a 20, 23, 20 Iowa state. 23, 20. Okay. I like that. Um, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing what you're saying. 34, 26 seems a little too high scoring. I don't know if Cyclones can put up that, but like I said, it's already stamped. I'm going to stick with it. All right. So moving on. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. You know, we lost to him. We don't really have bragging rights, so I can't shit on him too much. Um, Brian Ferentz is uh, officially done. Yeah, I mean, Kirk was pissed about it too, which I thought was funny. What did he say in his press conference? I haven't gotten to that yet. He was just, I think his general statement was, I don't like how it came in the middle of the year. and. I think maybe it was also not totally in his hands, like the decision. And I think As he, it felt, be. he felt like since he's been there for 25 years, that the decision should be in his hands. That was like, he not stressed, he's like, in my 25 years of, of being a coach here, um, these kind of things don't happen in the middle of the season. They're evaluated at the end and stuff like that. So don't we have to acknowledge that there's an, an incredible conflict of interest when it comes to this, though? Like, not only is this nepotism, but this is like, yeah, th- this is kind of like Michael and Jan in the office when Jan had to have like an HR rep there to talk through like his promotion because they were dating. It's like, yeah, y- you can't like entirely do this. on This isn't your decision, Kirk. Um, uh, OK, sorry. Yeah, I mean. So I thought that was an interesting component. People were kind of like saying this might be a little bit of the the end of the Kirk era at Iowa or something. Like that's been thrown out there. He's been there for a while. Mm-hmm. I think he always secretly wanted Brian to be able to take over, and obviously that's not the case anymore. Um, so yeah, I think all in all, it's it's definitely a good result for. Hawk fans, I think, but I think the thing that is not a good result for them is that the post Kirk Farron's life might not be that great because I th- I think they mm. have it a little cushy right now, to be honest. Like if you're an Iowa fan, you've had a very good run of having a lot of competitive teams and obviously playing in like the shittiest conference division ever, so you get all these cupcake wins too. Um, that you know, I think 
we've just seen other programs, you know, look at Nebraska. They can get better talent like than Iowa. Look at some of these teams that, you know, you can say like, hey, there are people that really want to go in here and play. And then the coach is also a part of that. And I think Kirk has done a great job of them being competitive year in and year out. They have a great defense, you know. They don't really make mistakes. They win the field possession game. And I think that finding a replacement for him could be tough. You know, it could be a really tough sell. Not tough mm-hmm. sell. I think I think them being in the Big Ten, they have good fan base, um, decent amount of money, like that kind of stuff. I don't think it's like a tough sell to get someone to go there. Like it's it's a better job than Iowa State if we're just being very straightforward. Um, yeah. But I, I think – You have history on your side. Yeah, I think the yeah, transition – You have recruits that are probably more likely to go to Iowa versus Iowa State. Yeah, um, yeah I would probably agree with that. Yeah, so I think I think the potential transition that's occurring will be interesting to see how it plays out because Kirk has been a beacon of stability there, and that's really nice to have in college football. So, um, And when mm-hmm. you don't have that, it's rough. It's really not fun like just being in the, the dump – the dumpsters and it's hard, it's hard to get out. We've seen a lot of good programs struggle to, you know, or whatever, like programs that at one point were very good and now have really struggled to be consistent or whatever, you know, like Nebraska firing Bo Pelini. And then ever since then they haven't even gotten close to nine and three, you know? So yep. I think that's another thing to be, it'll be interesting to see how the off season plays out over in Iowa city. Yeah, I think, you know, to be fair to the situation, I am never a fan of firing a coach, a coordinator midway through the season, especially when they're keeping their job through the rest of the season. Uh, Just do it after the season, man. Like you're going to ruin the locker room. Uh, There's so much that you can. And again, for Iowa, they're playing for a really great bowl game. If I am not wrong, I think they still have a chance to go to the Big Ten championship. I, I could be wrong there. I could be. Um, but nonetheless, they still have a lot to play for. Why would you make that announcement in the middle of the season? I, I do stand with Kirk on that. I, I'm just not a big fan of it. The only time I'm a proponent of it is if you're in the NFL and maybe there's an NFL head coach that you could, you know, nab right in the middle of the season because he's a hot commodity. Um, I still rarely support that decision to do anything in the middle of the season. You got to just let him finish it out. And also another part of it is just like, just let's just watch Brian continue to flounder. Like X, and I'm trying to call it X from now on instead of Twitter, but X is way funnier when Hawkeye Nation is just like, oh, yeah, I mean, th- this guy sucks. Like after every single win, they still have so much to bitch about. It is, it's just awesome. It's pure entertainment for me. So I, I'm a little bit bummed about this news. I'll be completely honest. Um, the Brian Ferentz era, especially the past, like, you know, two, three years has been a joy to watch. It's been incredible. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm very upset about this. I'll be honest. Um, I don't know what to do about it, but I, I'm not, I'm not happy about it. New, this is, this is a sad day in, um, I would say cyclone nation right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it is a, you know, um, if you are getting to play Iowa every year, you're a little sad because there was a person of incompetence in this role. And now there could be someone who is competent that replaces him. Um, yeah. And like, like you said, I think there's a, a, a funny meme element of it as well. Um, like the 25 point thing I think was very funny. And I also saw a stat so I think, today where someone said, 
if the 25 point thing was um, put across the entire Big Ten West, then all of their offensive coordinators would be fired. <laughs> so, um, which is pretty funny. We also can't laugh too hard because Iowa State is also below the 25 point threshold right now. But um, so our Shieldhouse doesn't have a clause in his contract. Like that's what's hilarious about it. the fact that you have to add in a clause. It that that's just funny. I don't know, man. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm not. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm seeing Kirk's points. I, I'm reading it right now. I do. I, I stand with him on that. It shouldn't have happened in the middle of the season. Not for selfish reasons, but just from organizational, you know, decisions. I don't think that's ever a smart idea. So, R.I.P. Brian Ferentz. You're not dead, but your Hawkeye tenure is. Yes. Um, I would like to transition to a more important subject, and that is the fact that we did not get Farmageddon as a protected rival. We actually didn't get any protected rival by the Big 12. Um, And... Two of the new coming, there are two new coming protected rivals, and three of the four protected rivalries were non-Big 8 members. Mm-hmm. How ridiculous that is? Like, actually how ridiculous that is? <laughs> I, I have a very, very strong take on this. Um, and it's going to piss a lot of Cyclone fans off. I, so. Oh, I, so I know it's going to be bad. I don't think it's bad. I think it's 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 one of my more passionate takes that this is a complete zig while everyone's zagging. Um, Two things to address. Yes, it probably should have been a protected rival. We've been literally playing this matchup for 110 years and counting because it'll still last through 2026. Um, Is the longest consecutively played football rivalry because COVID knocked out a lot of them and we played. Oh yeah. And, All right. And I didn't even know the, the only other rule. one we're like in competition with is UCLA and Cal, and they're going to be in different conferences. So this one is just ridiculous. Like it is actually ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I'm not a fan of it either. I think it should have been a protected rival. Um, my, I, I, I just believe, you know, we come from Iowa. I, I was a very traditionalist culture um, holds tight onto history. And, and so that's, that's why it probably should have been a protected rivalry. Um, that's why I'm not happy that we're not playing it, but I, I need to give a spin zone. I need to give a spin zone here. Kansas state, Iowa state rivalry from an entertainment perspective, from a competitive perspective has not been a great rivalry at all. Since, since I've been born in 1995, I went through the, numbers through 1990 because i i don't this i'm sure there's so many boomers that are going to hate me for saying this but i don't care about anything before 1990 i hardly even care about things before 2010 okay but just looking at all of our matchups since 1990 the kansas state iowa state quote-unquote rivalry um kansas state has won 26 games iowa state has won seven now of the 26 wins from kansas state they've had 11 one score games Whereas we've had two one-score games in our seven wins. Okay? Pretty big lopsided. It's lopsided. And not only to mention, most of these games that are being played, over half of them, are not even fun watches. They're being won by more than, you know, one possession. That's what I call it a not very fun watch. I like games to be competitive. And so I personally 
am more upset that we don't have Oklahoma State next year. We do have them in 2025, 2026, 2027. If you look at the Iowa State-Oklahoma State rivalry, and I think Newt, I've been saying Oklahoma State-Iowa State should be a rivalry. Get this. The Iowa State-Oklahoma State rivalry, Oklahoma State since 1990 has 16 wins. Iowa State has nine. Not nearly as lopsided. Of their 16 wins, 10 of which were one-score games. Of our nine wins, six were one-score games. Nice. And from there, there were also two ties, and we didn't even play Wait, wait, what time period did you go back to? Back to 1990. Okay. And... From there, we've had two ties, and we didn't even play in 2010, 2007, 2006, 2003, 2002, 1999, and 1998. So with even less games played, we have more one-score games than the Kansas State-Iowa State rivalry has in that span of time, as well as both. it's been way more like, not lopsided, um, way more competitive. It's been way more back and forth. And also, my final point, Campbell and Gundy are the two longest-tenured head coaches. I don't know about Oklahoma State. I don't imagine that they're going to move off Gundy anytime soon. I really feel Iowa State's not going to move off Campbell anytime soon. This should be the new rivalry. And so I don't know. I'm not as much of a traditionalist as most people are from Iowa State. And hell, maybe come 2028, I'll look back at this take and say this was an egregious take on my end. But my whole thing is Iowa State has played second fiddle to their conference rivalry of Kansas State for a long time. And KU, I live in Kansas City. K-Staters believe that the KU rivalry, since before they were good, has been more of their, you know, I, I, what do I say, desired rivalry than Iowa State. And so when we're playing a second fiddle in-conference rivalry to a program that has historically actually been worse than us, and we don't even have that great of a historical program, it pisses me off. It, it, it's kind of like we need a different conference rival. The K-State matchup has not been that fun to watch, and it hasn't even been that competitive. And in my opinion, yeah, it's the longest-standing um, Farmageddon rivalry, whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, it hasn't been good. It's not a good rivalry. It's just got a fun name attached to it. And I think we we need to move off this in-conference rivalry and move to something better like Oklahoma State, maybe even West Virginia. But um, that was my that's my very bold, very hot take. I've been seeing so many Cyclone fans get all hot about it, and I'm hot the opposite way. I think we need to let go of it. Who cares? And also, it's going to come back. It's just gone for one year. We're going to see them again. I'm more upset about not playing Gundy next year than I am Farmageddon and whatever it is four years from now. Okay. Thank you for letting me get out, get that off my chest. Newt, let's hear what you have to say. I mean, yeah, that's a terrible take. <laughs> so, oh, come on. Uh, th- like, the thing is, is you're like, I think we, like, whatever, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, we didn't get any protected rivalries. That's a, that's the exact point is that, like, we in Oklahoma State, and even you could say West Virginia, didn't get protected rivals. Texas Tech didn't get protected rivals. Like, these members who've been along and been a part of it ha- didn't get protected rivalries. And I think it's just stupid. We are playing central florida the same amount of times as we are playing oklahoma state west virginia k-state over the next in can and kansas over the next three years or over the next four years i'm sorry but that's just dumb as fuck like let us play oklahoma or let us play central florida less one time give them a protected rival with like either cincinnati because they are like aac bros or you know um 
they could even play West Virginia because of like regionality or whatever. But or Houston AAC Bros as well. Those were the takes I saw. And mm-hmm. let us play Kansas State every year. Let us play Kansas every year. Let us play Oklahoma State every year or even West Virginia. I love the West Virginia rivalry too. I love the Kansas mm-hmm. State rivalry because we are like the same fucking school as them. I, I think that's yeah. the beauty of the Kansas State rivalry. And you can say the I, thing I agree about them not being competitive, but I also think you selected very selective dates for, for your point because but- – Kansas Over State went on an not selective. An, I, I don't care yes, about what happened before that. Because in 1990, between 1990 and 2003, Kansas State won 12 of the 13 matchups. If you cut out that portion, it is an even game, and that's even with the K-State nine-year run in there. It's actually still a pretty even series, and almost all of the games are one score, even against your point. You literally, like just selected this portion for your stat because you took all of these times when Bill Snyder just beat down Dan McCarney, like multiple, multiple year, year after year, like Dan McCarney didn't give him a fucking game until 2004. Like you seriously just cherry pick the shit out of your data to like also put this notion that the games aren't close. When in reality, even when we've lost from 2008 to 2019, Every single game was a one-score game besides 2013. And we're losing these games, but they're close. They're close-ass games. 2019 was also a 10-point loss, but I, that one was extremely close during it. Like, to say that these games aren't competitive, especially, like you said, I, I don't even care since 2010 or whatever. Like, yeah, in I did the say most that. recent modern time, they have been extremely competitive, extremely, like, nail-biting games. And you can also not throw out like the tradition or history that comes with it. It has been like the thing that is also, I think this is the thing that pisses me the the most off, pisses me the most off about this is that when all this realignment talk was going on and they're like, Hey, the PAC 12 might kill the big, big 12 or the big 10 is going to would eventually pick like these schools from it. You know the two schools that were always going to get fucked, but they were going to get fucked together was was Iowa State and Kansas State because Kansas can go anywhere with their basketball program in history. They could go to the Big Ten if they want to. Even the Pac-12 would want them, but it was going to be Kansas State and Iowa State were going to be the ones that were going to be left out in the rain. And I think that we share that commonality of like, hey, we know what we are. We're not these rich in tradition programs. You know, Kansas State had a great run with Bill Snyder which was awesome. But before that, they had been dog shit for like 30 some, almost the entirety of their program. They have, they're losing this series to us and to Kansas in football rivalries, two of the worst programs of all time. And they're still worse than us over history, like in in one-on-one matchups. So I just, I think that it's incredibly like, I just also think the, the idea with the big 12 is like, why do so few protected rivalries? Like, you could have done okay, a pod system. That. You could have done a pod system and done the same rotation where you get one home game and one away game within the four years mm-hmm. of these teams, and you get Iowa State could play Kansas State, Kansas, and the pod that I was seeing was like Colorado was our pod. It's like a big eight pod. And then you have an East Coast pod that's like Cincy, West Virginia, UCF, and then they threw Houston in there. And then you have a pod of like Tech, TCU, Baylor, and Okie State. And then you have the four corners pod, you know, like, I don't know. There, there is like, 
just, I think a much better way to do it. And I think the thing that sucked too, was they were just like, Oh, are you in the same state? Okay. Then you get a protected rivalry and that's it. That was like the only barometer for it. It's like, why are Utah and BYU getting this? Why are Arizona and Arizona state getting these? Like technically historically our rivalry goes back longer and you know, Mm -hmm. Utah and BYU haven't even been in the same conference for a very long time. Like our rivalries like matter conference wise too, that I think it's just incredibly frustrating as an Iowa state fan to see that. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, yeah, K state might care about Kansas a little bit more because there's that in-state chirping that comes with it. But at the same time, I don't think you can say that K state and Iowa state is not this rivalry because we all really get up for those games and they really matter. So I just, I think that it's, it's just, you know, you have to keep some tradition. You have to pay some homage to the big eight, to these teams that have been there. Like, I'm sorry, but these newcomers shouldn't be getting more of the protector rivalries. Like Baylor and TCU shouldn't get to keep their rivalry over us with some other schools. That was schools. dumb. You know? Yeah. So, so like, for what it's worth, I agree with a ton I almost want to say most all of your points like I and like I said beforehand, it should have been a protected rivalry. My whole thing is the with conference realignment, we're clearly entering into a new age of college football. I don't know. I, I I'm more of like a show me the new shiny objects type guy. I don't really say, hey, I, I have this, you know, teddy bear that was passed on from, you know, my great, 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 great ancestors that I need to keep. I, I don't know. That's just a me type thing. Like I, I'm more okay with kind of moving off things, especially if I myself was bought into something more. And that was Oklahoma state. <laughs> I, maybe that's a bad comparison. Maybe it's a little cherry picked. Maybe a couple things can be true here, but my whole thing with this is I am more upset about Oklahoma state. I don't think that the Kansas state rivalry is, is better than Cyhawk. Like I'd be worse. I'd be more upset if we lose Cyhawk than Farmageddon, which honestly that might come to fruition too. And I think that's the thing. My, it's like by 20, I, I hate playing second fiddle have to Kansas, of dude. <laughs> like <laughs> I hate playing second fiddle to Kansas. And literally when I talk to K state fans around here about a oh, whole Farmageddon's coming up, they're like, Oh yeah. I, yeah. That game. Yeah. It, it's, it is not an equally viewed rivalry. And, and that's what I hate about it. That's probably what I hate most about it. And so part of me is like, I don't play second fiddle to Kansas football. The hell with them. Let's, Oklahoma's moving out of the Big 12. Let's just have this weird little agreement between Okie State and Iowa State. We have always been going back to back for so many years. We ruined the FBS because of you guys. Let's make this our new rivalry in conference, specifically in conference. Yes. We, we can. Uh, I have a name suggestion for it that will piss people off. Okay. What's up? You ready? <laughs> yeah. It, it can be. It can be called the Little Brother Bowl. <laughs> Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. Yeah. That's actually, you know, that's spot on, dude. It is. Little Bro Bowl. The Oklahoma State, Oklahoma rivalry. The LBB, is, the Little Bro Bowl. Is, it's so one-sided, it's not even funny. I don't think, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's 91, 91 to 19. <laughs> They've played oh since gosh. 1904, and Oklahoma State's only won 19 times. It's rough. Um, yeah, no, I, like I said, I, I think the thing that upsets me the most is that, you know, Iowa State, they just, you can have more protected rivalries. Like, who gives a fuck about protecting one game a year for these schools? Like, give, give TCU a protected, or sorry, Texas Tech a protected rivalry. Like, 
I don't know. It's just it felt like they I think the thing that frustrates me the most is the fact that we play UCF the same amount of times over this time period. And that's just one fuck Central Florida. Like no one wants them in the conference anyways at this point. Like if we knew the Pac-12 was going to crumble, <laughs> Central Florida would not be in this conference to be honest. We would yeah. I would I would much rather have Wazoo and Oregon State and say yep. bye-bye Central Florida and see you Houston. I, I, I just I, like I the I'd fact that it's spreading it out geography or geographically. Who gives a shit? That, that's the uh, only reason I like Central Florida. I, I mean, gotta see all perspectives here. But I think uh, I, I agree with you on a ton of yours and Cyclone Nation's quips about not having that protected rivalry. Um, I, I agree. I 100% agree. My whole thing is, is it's already happened. If I'm going to get pissed about something as far as the upcoming schedule, I'm more pissed off about Oklahoma State. And if it comes to fruition, I will be more pissed off amongst everything about Cyhawk dying. That that brings up that brings literally so much economic growth, literally for the state of Iowa, that that would actually be very, very fl- like flustering, not just for me, for businesses. The Iowa State rivalry needs to stay. Uh, it's starting to be- become way more well known nationally too. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I know I'm I'm zigging while everyone's zagging. I'll say it again. I'm more upset about not playing Oklahoma State next year than I am not playing K-State four years from now. I'm standing other, on that take. The other thing is, is that we lately have been playing K-State during what is quote-unquote considered rivalry week in college football. They're usually our last game of the year. You know, yeah. like this is – they don't play Kansas their last game of the year. They play Farmageddon for the most point as the last game of the year. So it's like it's even scheduled as that a little bit. So I, I just think it's it's really frustrating as a fan. And as a fan, that's like, you know, the big eight. And this has so much history behind it. Like the fact that it's the longest consecutively played rivalry in college football and we're just stopping it, not due to conference realignment. Like we're in the same fucking conference. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. Nothing has changed. It's all. It's not like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It's not like you know, Texas and Texas Tech or whatever. Like we're not losing it because someone's switching a conference. We're just losing it because for some odd reason our commissioner and the scheduling like people decided not to protect it as a rivalry and decided to only protect four rivalries. Like ridiculous. And it's just it's just mm. bad. Like protect some rivalries and also like rivalries help make the conference like ignited. Like if you're playing the same team over and over, you're going to build something. It's even like West Virginia's short amount of time in the big 12. We kind of built the riot bowl rivalry. Cause we're like very similar to them as programs. You know, we're groups of people who love to fucking drink. We're ag schools. We're land grant universities that have a good fucking time. And you know, we had some good battles too. And it's, it was like an organic rivalry that came from playing each other every single year. And if you're not letting any of these teams play every team, every single year, that animosity doesn't get to grow. Like that's another thing. It's like, Hey, make some protected rivalries so that these teams, like even these new teams make it so that since he plays West Virginia every year and make that an established rivalry, like turn that into something, make it so that. that Texas tech, like, people are really mad that butt isn't getting played again. Baylor and Texas tech. 
make that a protected rivalry. Who cares if Baylor has two protected rivalries? Like, who cares? Because what you want is you want these matchups. Like, like you said, the Iowa Iowa State matchup has become like a little bit more nationally recognized because like one, the game is so bad that everyone talks about every year how fucking terrible it is to watch these two teams play. And as a nickname of LS Um, but at the same time, it's like you can then promote this stuff instead of like, oh wow, this is a really heated game between, you know, Iowa State and Oklahoma State, but they don't play each other next year. So I just I think all of that is what is frustrating is like you're not even developing the conference the right way by letting these games that you know whether they're close regionality or whatever but they need to occur every single year for that animosity to grow for a a rivalry to happen like and they had so many built-in sort of rivalries already you know you've had these teams that have played each other in the AAC or they played each other in the Pac-12 or they played each other in the Big 8 for a long time like give Colorado a protected rivalry against someone as well like make it so that these matchups are occurring on a regular basis so that this like hatred, this like desire to beat this other team badly. Like, it's like when we go into the year, it's like, we've, we've said when we were losing to Iowa so many years, like, I just want to fucking beat Iowa. And then like, you know, like we're like, what if you beat Iowa and lost like the rest of the games of the year? Cause we just haven't beat them for so many years. And it's intolerable in the state when they're like, Oh, Matt Campbell's never beat. Iowa and we're on New Year five of the Campbell, whatever. Like that was annoying as shit. We want that kind of like hatred built up in the Big 12 with other teams. Like I it makes it makes big games even bigger. It makes big games even bigger, but it like like I said, it, it builds up animosity. You want that in the conference, you want passion. It's like it really stinks if like you have a great game or you get your ass kicked, and then the next year you don't even get to play that team. You know, you're like like what we said, like, hey. We kicked this team's ass last year, so they're probably going to be ready for us or vice versa. We're like, oh, we had a terrible loss against them last year. I want to kick their butt. But then it's like, what if you have that and then you don't get that? And then the same players are gone. Like, it's just I think it's really poor planning by the committee. Like whoever was making those decisions, it just like I think everyone should have at least had one protected rivalry, like one team that, you know, you're going to play year in and year out little bro bowl let's make it a thing little bro bowl that's not even gonna, like none of these are gonna happen we have a better shot of building animosity with central florida right now because we play them the same amount of fucking times as all of the other schools that we care way more about it's like i don't give a shit about playing central florida they're annoying i don't think they're even a part of the conference they're annoying as shit on twitter they don't fit in with our vibes yeah they like, don't these big 12 schools at all even like the new ones bringing in, like they're just this weird ass like public university that everyone uses as like, oh, I couldn't get into any of the notable Florida schools. The, so the I UCF fan base. They're a big like is, travel school or whatever. Like they're not they're even the like, obvious black to... sheep of the conference. Yeah. And so that's my take. Well, I, I, I'm annoyed. And I just, I think it's, I think it's just bad for the future of the Big 12. But that's why, I, like, I think it, it like personally, the farm again thing pisses me off, but at the same time, the fact that you're not creating these rivalries and creating these, like, like if you want the conference to one also have some semblance of like cohesiveness, you, you want to build this stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, like I said, it's like, we're not going to give a shit about beating UCF, but we will care about playing Kansas state every year, or we will care about playing Oklahoma state every year. 
UCF probably doesn't really care about playing us either. They'd probably rather play a team like Houston or Cincinnati who they've played in the AAC for a while and have like some built up, like, Hey, we've been in, you know, bigger conference games with these guys in the past. Like, and we've played them a lot of like almost every single year. And we moved with them to the conference too, you know, like, why isn't this stuff being considered? Like, that's the frustrating part is like, it's not even just a Farmageddon specific thing. It is a big 12, like establishing, you know, it's like, we are a new conference. We have lost like almost half of our members from the original big 12 and we've replaced it. Like there's only what six of the remaining big, I don't know, Oklahoma left like, yes. And Mizzou left. We have six of the remaining big eight. Cause Colorado's back. Obviously, Colorado just came back, so that's, yeah. Well, I can tell you're very passionate about this, and I and to reiterate, I do think that they take screwed up bad. a lot of things. I, I think they screwed up a lot of things. I'm just on the plane of we can close this little Farmageddon storybook and look for a better conference rival. I, I'm on my, I know, I'm on my own. Remind me of this in 2027. Remind me to listen, listen back to this. Maybe I'll agree with you. Maybe I'll be even more. We can't even establish a rival besides with Iowa now because, and we're going to lose that Iowa every, because we're not playing anyone every year. Like, that's the thing. That is the exact point is we're not playing one fucking school every year to even establish them as a rival. Who who doesn't, like, in high school (laughs) with your rivals, did you just, like, you're like, oh, like, we don't need to play this school. Like it's like, it's, it's like through the entirety of like sport is like you establish rivals by playing them every year by going to like going against them every year. It's like, no one's going to establish these rivalries by playing a team three out of every four years. Like, I'm sorry, but that really lets the air out of the balloon. It it really does. Like it's Mm -hmm. because I think the other thing is like, you get pumped about playing them one year and then you're like, oh, I want to get revenge the next year. And it's like, oh, we don't even play them. Like, we don't even get to play Oklahoma State. Like, it's like like that kind of shit is what I think is incredibly frustrating about this. Your point has been heard. Very and it's good. correct. It is correct. Mine is also – I that's the no, that's my thing here. Bad. I think two takes can be true at once. Kansas State was not – I don't like, – I, I do not I'll want to be associated I'll with shut your up. take. Your take is horrendous. Don't even that's try fine. to put this these both takes in the right bucket. I'm right, and you're. I'm, take I'm, I'm is excluding. Bad. Okay, whatever, whatever. The thing, well, okay, you, you brought up a lot of good points. Like I, I totally agree. I, I think that it should have been a protected rivalry. My whole thing is is, is done. They're scheduled it out. Which one no, am I going to be more pissed off about? I'm going to be more pissed off that I don't see protesting. Gundy Campbell matching up next year. I'm that, more pissed off about that. That to me feels like a more fun, a bigger and better game than Kansas State Iowa State. I'm sorry. I, I know that I'm on the other side and and again maybe i'm wrong because everyone would will disagree with me on this if i'm choosing to be pissed off about something uh, tradition is not really going into my true emotions here i would say what's going into my true emotions is what do i have more fun watching from the past from my time watching iowa state athletics and it's been oklahoma state iowa state so to reiterate i don't i don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying okay so we, we can be on the same page here, but I, I think the little bro bowl, I think you're on, I think you're on to something with that. It's got a good name. <laughs> it's got a very, it's got a really good name. All right. Um, any, any more, you know, any more takes you need to get off here? 
No, I feel like something's festering. I'm seeing your face right now and you're just, you're livid. It's just, it's, it's been a a rough, rough day and news. So I'm just, I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of over it. All right. Well, um, we'll, we'll see if you're over it, you know, when we talk next time, but if you've made it this far, congrats to you. Um, let us know if anyone else is down for the little bro bowl. I would love to see some other cyclones on my side here. Um, but without further ado, please go hang out with Ben and all the people at BNC Fieldhouse. The great people there for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue and the best place to watch the big game. Please cheer loud and hard for our Cyclones at Jack Tri Stadium, 6 p.m. against the Jayhawks. Um, Newt, any last thoughts before we sign off? Roll clones. Roll clones. Thanks for tuning in.